Oh, good uh, good afternoon, everyone. Happy uh, happy is what is a day not daylight savings time? Is it what the one when you skip ahead is daylight? Isn't the one that you take now? It's East Eastern Standard Time. I, I have no idea. All I know is the clocks are turned an hour back, and doesn't really freaking make a difference to me. You know, it's like a dollar. <laughs> it's not gonna make you break you, right, folks? Anyway, listen, I only get a half an hour this time. I'm back to the good old computer. It's a strictly voice episode. Um, but a big shout out to Spotify. Spotify for podcasters. It's a great way for you to start your own podcast or just listen. Listen to the many, many podcasts out there. Let me take a sip. i got to keep my throat lubricated if I'm going to keep talking to you guys. All right. Um, we're back to the uh, the true crime series. I'm taking a little break from the music and the movie. Just a little note I wanted to tell you. I had some family visit over the weekend. I had a family member. He was getting annoyed at me. He told me to stop mentioning movies. I kept using movies. As, I admit I was a little, little drunk and high, and I kept mentioning movies as metaphors. Maybe I kind of see my life as an escape through movies, but I was getting on his nerves. He, he told me to stop talking about movies. So I'll talk to you guys about it, right? You guys don't – listen, I figure, guys, you don't want to hear me. You see movies in the subject, you can skip over to the next episode. It just kind of makes me sad because this is a family member who I don't speak to, and, like, the – the very few times I see this individual, the individual has very little tolerance for me. And this is an individual like who comes out of the woodwork every 10 years, you know, and I, I've been dealing with a chronic, chronically stressful situation for about 30 years now. And about every 10 years, this individual will come out and yell at me and tell me to grow a set of balls and face the toxic family members uh, and then won't, lift, won't do anything to help and then goes back to their own life. And that's what it, but supposedly this individual is gonna help this time. I don't know, I just need to be, I need to be free because if I keep taking this abuse, I'm gonna have a stroke or a heart attack and, and I don't want that. Then I won't be good to anybody, folks. You know, I won't be good for you. I won't be here to entertain you guys, folks. So thank God for you, man. Thank God for our connection, okay? There you go. Anyway, we're, <laughs> Um, no, all kidding aside, this is serious because, you know, everybody's talking about Gilgo Beach right now. Gilgo Beach is not the first serial murderer they had. We have, I don't know if it's we, I don't live on Long Island anymore, but I did live there, even though they really didn't consider to me to be a person because I was a renter. And when you live in Long Island, even if you're spending a lot of money on rent and security and you're breaking your ass, the other homeowners look down on you in disdain. But I still lived there, okay? I was raised in a house. And I spent the next 30 years of my life struggling to pay rent, okay, and being a part of the community and paying taxes. So I, I was from Long Island, and we had other serial killers besides the current individual who's being charged. Like back in 1993, the case I'm going to cover the, uh, was another Long Island serial killer, and his name was Joel David Rifkin. Welcome to episode 22 of true crime. Yes, um, Joel Rifkin was born on January 20th of 1959. Okay, he was sentenced to 203 years in prison. He will never get out. He will never see the light of day. He was convicted of killing, murdering nine women between 1989 in 1993, possibly, he possibly killed as many as 17 people. Rifkin 
is currently age 64. And I believe he's currently at the Clinton Correctional Facility in Danamora, Danamora, New York. He was arrested on June 28th of 1993. His birth parents, um, his, par- his birth parents were young. Uh, his dad was an army veteran. Rifkin was ad- adopted on uh, February 14th of 1959 at age three weeks of age by upper middle class, uh, upper middle class family. He had a learning disability, and he was unpopular. And so according to Wikipedia, okay, I, I didn't know the man. I don't want to, I'm saying what I, I didn't know him. I'm saying what I read, okay? Let's be clear. He graduated from East Meadow High School in 1977 and then attended Nassau Community College and uh, the State University of New York at Brockport, which is a four-year university, and then SUNY State University of New York at Farmingdale, which is now has many four-year programs. Originally, they were just a four-year, two-year ag and tech college. Now they were a four-year university. Mr. Rifkin, he dropped out of college and became a self-employed landscaper. On February 20th of 1987, Joel Rifkin's father, Bernard, committed suicide. His father overdosed after suffering from prostate cancer. On August 22nd of 1987, Rifkin was arrested at a sex store. Okay, so his father died on February 20th. I, you can see the problem started to spiral. You see the pattern here. August Father dies August tw- February 20th, August 22nd. See, he already had like pre, pre-existing conditions, you know, learning disability, um, you know, probably got picked and unpopular, which kind of slanted his view towards the world. And having his father check out like that, I'm, I'm sure the father was in pain and very sick. I'm just sure it just pushed him over the edge, you know. Uh, so August 22nd of 87, Joel Rifkin was arrested at a sex um, a sex sting. Oh, it was a sex sting in Hempstead, New York. It was opera. Basically, I think he approached an undercover female cop, you know, the old catch. You know, you approach a female cop, you never know she's a, a real prostitute or a cop. You take that chance and he he lost. Um, now we're skipping ahead. It seems to be out of sequence here, my notes, but what the hell? We got to go along with the plan here. First murder, February 20th, 1989, was Heidi Balch, B-A-L-C-H. And this took place in Joel Rifkin's home in East Meadow. He had dismembered the body, removed the teeth and the fingertips, and put the victim's head in a paint can, which he left in the woods at a golf course in Hopewell, New Jersey. He disposed of the legs uh, further north and then dumped the remaining into the East River, River on March 5th of 1989. The severed head head of the victim was found on the seventh hole of a golf course. And then on April 8th of 1989, legs were found in, uh, I don't want to mispronounce this, Peganock Creek, which is in Jefferson Township area of New Jersey. Tiffany Bresciani, B-R-E-S-C-I-A-N-I, 
was a prostitute working in Allen Street in Manhattan. On June 24, 1993, her pimp-slash-boyfriend, punk rocker Dave Rubenstein, apparently she was with her boyfriend, and I guess he was the last person to see Tiffany. Rifkin was supposed to bring the victim back in 20 minutes. Rubenstein, what was this guy's first name? Punker Dave Rubenstein called the cops with a description of a 1984 Mazda pickup, a.k.a. Oh, that's what his name, Dave Insurgent. He was a punk rocker on June 28, 1993. State troopers spotted a pickup truck missing a plate, pulled Rifkin over, found Bresciani's body under tarp, he was found guilty of nine counts of second-degree murder in 1994. Initially, Joel Rifkin was incarcerated at Attica Correctional Facility. If you check in other episodes, we covered on Attica, the up- uprising. It's in one of the other episodes, I don't know, a month or two ago. He, he initially was incarcerated 23 hours a day for four years in solitary confinement, possibly for his own protection and then was transferred to Clinton Correctional Facility. Initially, Rifkin was suspected of the Gilgo, hey, we're talking about Gilgo Beach earlier. He was initially suspected, but he denied, and the timeline of those killings did not match with Joel, when Joel Rifkin was active. His known victims are Heidi Susie Balch, we mentioned, age 25, Julie Blackbird, Remains never found a shame, but no closure for the family. Isn't that sad? Like, you, you pretty much know your loved one is dead, and you just want to give them a proper burial and, you know, proper closure and, like, a, a memorial to visit them. You can't even have that. You know, that's that's all they want. Simple goodbye. They know they lost their loved one in, in, in the body. Blackbird. I wonder if she was American Indian. Usually people with American Indians have that kind of – I'm just curious. Native Americans. That would be interesting. Uh, anyway, you know, they believe in spirits the native Indians. Um, Barbara Jacobs, another victim, her remains were found on July 14th, 1991, uh, the Hudson River. Mary Ellen DeLuca, age 22, date of birth, October, oh no, she she was murdered. I'm sorry, I have to remember, these are the dates uh, of the, the murders, October 1st of 1991 in Cornwall, New York, which I believe is upstate. She was ID'd on July 4th, 1993. Yun Lee, age 31, her remains were found on September 23rd, 1991, in the East River uh, at Randall's. I, I don't know if Yun Lee is a he or a she, so was a he, please, my, my, I don't mean to disrespect. I'm guessing she was a female prostitute, but, you know, he could have had male victims. I don't know. I'm just trying to show as much respect for the victims as possible, folks. Number six, Never identified, remains never found. Lorraine Orviedo, O-R-V as in Victor, I-E-T-T-O, age 28. Her remains were found on July 11th, 1992, in Coney Island Creek, Brooklyn. Uh, ID'd on July 4th, 1993. Another victim, Marianne Holloman, age 38, remains found July 9th, 1992, in Coney Island Creek, Number nine, never identified. Found May 13th, 1992, 
and a 55-gallon steel drum floating in Newton, New, Newton, Newtown Creek. I believe, for some reason, I think Newtown is on the border of Brooklyn and Queens. I don't know why. I just remember that being like near Middle Village, Maspeth area. I could be wrong. Iris Sanchez, age 25, um, 1965. Or, 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 see, things are a little screwed up, but anyway, we're going back into the history of the Rifkin family. All right. 1965, the family moved to East Meadow. Um, Joel Rifkin attended Prospect Avenue Elementary School. He had undiagnosed dyslexia, struggled ap- academically despite 128 bright guy. Murder, he's a demon, but he's a bright guy. Uh, he was picked on as a kid, excluded from team sports, desperately tried to fit in, joined the track team, but teammates tormented him, joined the yearbook. A uh, camera with a camera. Oh, his camera was. He tried to join the yearbook and they stole his camera. You see, the guy kept trying. You see, you have to you treat people like shit when you're a kid. Because I was one of those people. I could identify with Joel Rickham. I wasn't picked on sports. I joined the track team too. I mean, I didn't get tormented on the track team and my camera wasn't stolen. But I know what it's like to be alone and have a learning disability and picked on. Thank God I wouldn't ever hurt anybody. But I know how he feels. So, you know what? Your kids, please treat your kids to treat other kids respect because a lot of the kids who are kids, they grow up to be adult, just insensitive, mindless, just thinking about themselves. You know, it all begins in childhood, folks. Remember that. Not that he did anything right. He, could, he was responsible for himself as a man, and he knows it, and he's paying the price now. He should have got help. Um, it, it was excluded from a rap party at the end of the year. See, they were, he put his time into the yearbook, and they didn't even let him go in the rap party. Uh, began retreating into his own disturbed. I know that the disturbed world. I know that very well. I, I, I retreated into that world when I was thirteen. Thank God, I just I struggled. But I, but I, you know what? Be mindful of others, goes guys. You don't know what's going on in somebody's head. All right. In 1972, inspired by frenzy, Alfred Hitchcock, uh, he became fixated on strangling. Pr- See what happened? How he was molded. I know that kind of thinking. Okay, because now when I was age, I was kind of obsessed with Son of Sam. I didn't do it. I just got, I, I put my, you know, morbid curiosity into writing and art and expressing myself. But he took a very dark path. Mind programming is very strong, folks. And look at the monster that he, be, the horrible monster that he became. And you got to understand people. That's a problem. If we understood people more, we could help them. And maybe prevent, I don't know, some people are beyond redemption too. Some people, no matter how much you do, I don't know. But maybe some recognition and awareness can prevent these things in the future. You know, we need to be more proactive proactive as a society. Guns, mental illness, a lot of things, folks. He became fixated on strangling prostitutes. His parents gave him a car. He started trolling Hempstead, which, you know, was no, I don't know if they had prostitutes today, but I know back in the 80s, that was a place to get, you know, cracking prostitutes. Then he graduated onto Manhattan, trolling for prostitutes or prosses, P-R-O-S, as the cops called them in Manhattan. In 1977, he attended Nassau Community College, skips classes, uh, rarely shows up to his part-time job, bounced from school to school, finally drops out of college in 1984. In March 1989, Rifkin waited for men to leave for a business trip brought your prostitute named sue oh waited for his mom i see my handwriting he waited for his mother to leave for a business trip 
brought prostitutes home, a prostitute named Susie back to the house in the East Meadow, bludgeoned her. She struggled, so he strangled her, dismembered the corpse with an exacto knife, severed her fingertips to remove identity. A year later, a second victim. See, 19, from 19, four years, he was still on the loose. At the, four, at the, hor- this, the horrors this girl suffered, he was still on the loose for four. That's terrible. Smart guy, and he uses intelligence in an evil sort of way. And then, oh, my God, he used what's called a bludgeon her with a howitzer, H-O-W-I-T-Z-E-R, artillery shell. I never even heard of it, but I looked it up. That's horrible. He bludgeoned her with that. Julie Blackbird, the girl we talked about, was a second victim. He took her to the East Meadow home, uh, beat the victim with a table leg, and strangled her, dismembered her corpse. In 1991, he started a landscaping business, uses a rent a rented job site to, sh- to stash the, course, the corpses temporarily. Um, so, and that's about it. That's about, you know what? We don't need any more in this case, really. It's upsetting. I should even put a freaking disclaimer in my description here that it gets pretty gory, so you might not want to listen to this, you know? But you know what? These cases need to be, because I want to prevent the these things from happening. Maybe some public awareness, education. If you see anybody, if you know anybody who sees these signs, maybe you can't approach them yourself. Maybe they're too dangerous, but alert somebody. Put out a red flag. Put, you know, communicate, talk, you know, say something. Don't just let them fester like that because these monsters grow insidiously and quietly, okay? And then it's, it's no reason for human lives to be taken. Humans were not meant to destroy each other. Humans were meant to help each other. You understand? We also worry we weren't meant to get cancer. Okay, a lot of artificial things killing in this world. We could prevent it. We can stop it. It's never too late. Listen, guys, thank you very much for tuning in, all right? I'll be back later with uh, more talk. Or I don't know. I'll think of something to talk about. Or I always do. Thanks, guys. Enjoy your afternoon.